Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how you doing tonight? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. Ready to kick this season off. You know, training camp's about to start. It's it's a good time to be a, uh, a Jet fan if you're rooting for the young guys to show you some stuff. There will definitely be no shortage of young guys and competition on the field when Jets camp kicks off. This week, uh, the players will be reporting tomorrow, as of when you guys are listening to this podcast. Uh, we just tweeted out a full schedule, but uh, the Jets uh, will be getting everything going really in earnest over the weekend. They'll start off with actual practice after everyone reports and does their conditioning on Friday. Uh, so we're going to take this podcast, preview everything you need to know about Jets training camp before it kicks off. And then before we wrap, we will give you a preview of this week's Play Like a Jet, which will feature part three of our interview with former Jets safety Kerry Rhodes. Before we dive into that, I want to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets for all your 2017 fan experience outings. If you're looking to go to an away game uh, as a Jets fan or if you're looking for something to do at MetLife before you head into the stadium, check out primesport.com backslash turn the Jets. Give them a follow on Facebook and Twitter at Prime Sport. Again, that's Prime Sport, official team partner of the New York Jets. And check out more information at primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. So, Dalvin, obviously this is going to be one of the more unique training camps the Jets have had in a while. Uh, this right. is probably the lowest expectations they've had going into a season, I would say, since 2013. Uh, 2006 also reminds me of a, a year like similar to this where the expectations were that low. But really, there's no, really no proven guys who have spots locked up already. Last year you went to camp. You knew the starting cornerbacks were going to be Revis and Screen. You knew the starting inside linebacker was going to be David Harris. You knew the starting receivers were going to be Decker and Marshall. Uh, you knew the tackle and center with Dabrikashaw, Ferguson, and Nick Mangrove. There's a lot more competition across the board at really every single position this year, as this team only has four players over 30 years old and 12 players who are 28 years old and over. And you look at some positions like linebacker, outside of Darren Lee, uh, being a starting inside linebacker, who else is going to make the roster is completely up for grabs. And what roles they're going to have is completely up for grabs. And there's a lot of that uh, across the board. So preseason is going to be that much more meaningful this year as the Jets figure out exactly who their 53 is going to be. And this is probably the hardest year ever uh, to pick who's going to round out that roster. I guess coming out of the gate, let's put quarterback aside because we know that's going to be what everyone's going to be scrutinizing like crazy. Coming out of the gate, what position are you really going to be focusing in on the most uh, to see how those reps are going to break out or to see who's going to stick on this 53? So for me, it's always running backs, right? I think, I mean, again, maybe I'm biased because that's the first position group you gave me when, when you brought me on for Turn on the Jets. But I, I do pay attention to the running backs a lot more just because, I one, I do expect Christian Hackenberg to emerge as the starter. I think that if it's even remotely close between him and McCown, I think Hackenberg's the starter. And if that's the case, you're going to need a sound running game and you're going to need your running backs to not only pick up the slack in the running game but also in the passing game. Like, you want solid checkdown options for Christian Hackenberg. You also want them to be solid in the blitz pickup game because you do not want your young quarterback to get used to getting hit a lot, right? And that's where guys like Forte and Powell come in because they're both really good pass protectors. They're both really good out of the backfield 
But I also think that a guy like Elijah Maguire, who I've been saying it since they drafted him, I think that's the guy that's probably going to end starting a majority of the games because I do believe that his skill set lends itself to what the Jets want to do. So running backs is probably where I look first. I think the offensive line is big also only because the Jets are banking on a guy in Brian Winters who they gave a pretty big deal to, much better than what the market's dictated for interior alignment, but they've given him a big deal. And this is him coming off of coming off of a pretty serious injury, and you have to make sure that that's monitored. And that's probably part of the reason why they brought in Orlando Franklin for a visit, because they're concerned about the depth behind him and Carp- behind Winters and Carpenter. So obviously you want to pay attention to that. You want to pay attention to how Beecham bounces back. Are you going to get the Beecham that you got in Jacksonville, or did he rehab enough in Jacksonville, out of sight, out of mind, so to speak, uh, and trying to protect Blake Bortles' blind side to be a factor this year. And on defense, I think it's cornerback. I think cornerback is wide open. I really like Morris Claiborne. I liked him coming. I liked him coming into the into the league. I liked him leading up to the draft. And when he's been healthy, he's been solid, right? But that's the caveat when he's been healthy. And do one of the guys, one of the one of the McAgnan nine piece, if you will, whether it's whether it's Jones or or the kid from Michigan, do they push Buster Screen off of this? off of this team. A lot of people want to say that Justin Burris is the, is the team's best corner. I personally think it's Daryl Roberts. I think New Milner has proven that he can play and that he can play in this league. And so he would be my de facto number one corner. But Screen is still your most experienced. And you're going to need him because if Bowles wants to run the defense that he wants to run, Screen off the edge being an extra blitzer is how you want to do it. What Screen do you get? Do you get the one from year one who was a menace in the backfield and who was pretty good in coverage, albeit a little highly penalized? Or do you get the one who was clearly shaken up by his concussion last year, and he plays a little scared. That's going to be what you've got to watch for. But for me, those are the biggest ones because I think the Jets, I think they're going to be fine at safety. I think Demario Davis is probably going to be better than expected at linebacker. I think the defensive line is going to be fine. You need the corners to play well. You need the offensive line to protect Hackenberg. You need the running backs to give Hackenberg something to check down to if the pressure is getting there. I'm curious to see if some young guys on this roster can push off the remaining veterans or if the Jets uh, are potentially active in the trade market. So I look at defensive tackle. If Deion Simon and Mike Pinnell play well enough, does that convince them just to cut, cut ties with Steve McClendon? If a corner, Daryl Roberts, Justin Burris, Marcus Williams, Jeremy Clark, uh, Derek Jones are all playing well, do they just cut ties with Buster Screen? I think both of those potential moves could be on the table. And then, you know, you look at what happened with Baltimore. Does Baltimore get into camp after the Kenneth Dixon injury and say, you know, we really need a running back? And are they able to decide to give up a fifth or a sixth-round conditional pick for Matt Forte uh, so the Jets are able to get him off the roster and just go young uh, at running back? And let's not forget that Sheldon Richardson is also still on the trade block if the right offer comes around for the Jets. So I'm curious to see uh, if there's still some shuffling around there. I also think that the Jets – I'm not done adding to and tweaking this roster. You saw they had uh, veteran guard Orlando Franklin in for a visit yesterday. Uh, they're still going to be looking at the veteran fullback market. If they're going to be using the fullback more, there's no guarantee they're just going to leave that to Julian Hauser or Anthony Fersker, two guys with no experience. Uh, they could still look around the veteran market there and see if there could be somebody added those positions. And the same goes for you know depth at the other offensive line spots and potentially uh, at linebacker. Uh, so I think the Jets are going to be waiting to see who shakes free and could be making a couple more moves to tweak the roster. Outside of that, I'm curious to see how John Morton is moving around the different receivers. Is Quincy Inouye going to be playing an H-back in the slot? Is he going to be playing outside the numbers? Is our Darius Stewart going to be the prime slot receiver? Is our Darius Stewart healthy? Is he recovered from his surgeries? Is he going to be practicing every single day? 
What does right. the rotation look like on the outside for Robbie Anderson, Chad Hansen, Sharon Peake, Marquise Wilson? Which of these guys who are on the depth chart are, you know, five to nine right now are really going to separate themselves? And how, how are they being used? How are the Jets using their different tight ends, whether it's Safari and Jenkins, Jordan Leggett, or Eric Tomlinson? I think it's going to be interesting to see a guy that we don't know much about and more in how he decides to use these players. Don't forget Chan Gailey's first year here. Nobody was talking about Quincy Nua playing H-back or Eric Decker being the slot receiver. It was Decker was going to play outside with Brandon Marshall and Jeremy Curley was going to be the slot receiver and Quincy Nua wasn't even going to make the team. And then we all of a sudden get into camp and Chan Gailey's moved him inside. He's got Decker playing in the slot and the offense looks a lot different than most of us expected. So we have no idea what we're going to expect with Morton. So I'm curious to see uh, how he's moving pieces around. With quarterback, and this is going to be under such a microscope, what are going to be some of the things you're looking for early in the first like seven to ten days of camp to really get a feel for where this competition is at? Is it really a competition? Is it just a two-man competition? You know, what are some red flags you're going to be looking for for those three guys? I mean, it better be a real competition. This better not be all lip service. Um, you know, I think... For me, yes, it's a two-man competition. Bryce Petty does not matter. Um, Andy Benoit did a preview today uh, on for Monday Morning Quarterback about like ten things that he's looking at for the Jets, and he called Bryce Petty talented, and that really just made me realize for the umpteenth time this uh, this spring slash summer that Andy Benoit knows nothing about the Jets because Bryce Petty is not talented. Bryce Petty might honestly be, if not the worst quarterback on any roster, like he's in the he's in the conversation for it. I do not think that he matters at all in this, in this, uh, in this competition. I think it comes down to to McCown and to Hackenberg. I think those are the two that you're going to see for me. I think the biggest thing that I need to see, and this is more for Hackenberg because with McCown, I, I very much do not like that people are trying to spin it as if McCown has just had a rough last couple of seasons. No, McCown has always been a below average quarterback. He was propped up that one solid good half a season in Chicago by Brandon Marshall, Alshon Jeffrey, Martellius Bennett, and Matt Forte, and a pretty solid offensive line and a decent Bears defense. Other than that, he's been god-awful. Like, he's just been really bad. And I think with Hackenberg, I need you to be better than McCown from, from jump. And I understand that it's just shorts and T-shirts, and I get that. But you better show some kind of demonstrated acumen for this offense. Because if, if, if we go into training camp and McCown is blowing Hackenberg out of the water, that worries me. Because this isn't a scenario where it's like Eli Manning versus Kurt Warner, where the Giants kind of went out of their way to say, you know what, we're going to protect Eli. Warner will start until Eli's ready. And then Eli took over midseason or after nine games and then absolutely stunk it up. If Hackenberg starts off bad, there's no, there's nothing to hang your hat on to say, yeah, no, he's going to be better, you know. And and he had a, a year long redshirt season. He got a head start on McCown because he was in spring camp where he was learning the offense anyway. He should be ahead of McCown. Like I get that McCown is a veteran and all that, but for me, I I don't want to see turnovers. I don't want to see these dumb mistakes that seem to plague him a, a, a lot last year in training camp and seem to have been cut down this year. When they, were, when they were here for, for mini camps a couple months ago. Um, I want to see his footwork being improved. He had a habit at Penn State of just seeing ghosts. It seemed like he was just ducking every time, every time there was somebody near him and every time there was nobody near him. 
him. And you do not want to see that from a young quarterback because that will translate into taking unnecessary sacks or holding the ball too long because you think the hit is coming or just dropping down like Eli Manning did a lot early on in his career. So I want to see that with the quarterbacks. I do not want to see Josh McCown. I think that ultimately, if McCown is running away with his job, then McCagnon might as well just start sprucing up his resume because he has hitched his wagon to Christian Hackenberg and it needs to pay dividends. I do not think that Mike McCagnon is going to get another opportunity to draft another quarterback. He's drafted two, signed, traded for one, and signed another one. I do not think he gets another shot. So if Hackenberg bombs out, I think it's on him. Yeah, listen, nobody wants to see Josh McCown. There's, there's no joy and interest in watching Josh McCown. And even if McCown is shades of the competent guy he's been for 20% of his career, it helps the Jets get out to a two and four, three and three start against a somewhat softer part of their schedule. I don't think that's sustainable in this team. It, it just, how is that benefiting you long-term? This guy's not going to be here next year. At the same point, you don't want to just be handing a job to Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Benny. And if you have a quarterback who is truly not prepared to play or even close to being prepared to play, uh, it damages everybody else on the offense. And you can't develop your young receivers. You can't develop your young running backs. You can't develop your young offensive line. And we saw this a little bit with Petty last year where everybody was quick to blame the offensive line. Petty couldn't properly set the protections. That's why he was getting killed behind the Jets' offensive line. He wasn't properly setting the protections. He wasn't properly using his outlets and checking the ball down. That's why he was taking such a beating and couldn't stay healthy. So you can't just blindly throw out Christian Hackenberg or Bryce Petty and they can't even uh-huh. set up protection or call plays properly. They have to be able to show they can do those basic things. So, you know, the early things to watch are going to be how are the reps divided up in the green and white scrimmage after the first week of practice? Who starts the first preseason game? How are the reps divided up? And then who starts that second preseason game? Uh, I'm sure the Jets are going to make the decision probably after their third preseason game uh, and then, you know, not play whoever the starter is for the fourth. I do still think it's more likely than not McCown starts, starts week one, Probably is swapped out sometime between week six to ten for Hackenberg, most likely because the Jets are going to want to see what he can do prior to them entering the 2018 draft. But you never know. I mean, Hackenberg, you know, this is his job for the taking. If he goes out and plays really well this summer, the Jets, mm-hmm. if it's close to being a tie, they're going to give him that decision, right? So unless he's miles behind Josh McCown, which would be a really disturbing sign for him in his second year and his long-term development, if he's miles behind a 38-year-old journeyman quarterback who probably shouldn't even be in the league anymore, then the Jets have a bigger problem. We know that they're going to have to be serious about addressing quarterback in the draft next year, and we're going to have to question whether their current regime or the right people to make the decision considering they drafted Bryce Manny and Christian Hackenberg. But we're going to see. You know, it's hard to get a read on anything that happened in the spring. Hackenberg is kind of coming in with a clean slate because he really didn't play at all last year. He had a minimal amount of work in the preseason, which was bad, but it was a small sample size still. So uh, we're going to see how that pans out. And, you know, outside of that, I think when you go over to the defensive side of the ball, all eyes are going to be on Jamal Adams and Marcus May. Those are the first Mm -hmm. two draft picks. Those are the guys who were supposed to change the tone and style of this defense. How are they being moved around? How much of a leader uh, will Adams be on that unit? Uh, how much of a leader will they be on that unit? And are, we, are they really going to step in as day one starters? And, you know, that defense is supposed to be being led by Leonard Williams, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, and Darren Lee going forward. So has Lee taken the steps forward necessary to be that type of playmaker? Will Tom Bowles be more creative with how he uses him? Get him rushing from the outside, move him around the formation a little more. How those four guys are used in play this year 
are going to be absolutely critical to whether the Jets are going to be a bottom third defense or actually hang around middle of the pack and allow them to be more competitive uh, than some people anticipate. Uh, I mean, what what are you looking for on the defensive side of the ball, and where are you looking to see where Todd Bowles could do things differently than he did last year? So Rich Simony released an article today talking about how the Jets should have, uh, I think it was like 11 new starters or something like that. And, he, and I, I ignored the offense because, I mean, I, we I, he listed Eric Tomlinson as the starting tight end, and I thought that was wild. Um, but uh, on the defensive side of the ball, he listed Wilkerson, Williams, and Richardson all starting on the defensive line. And I think that's the first change you want to make. I mean, to quote our friend Connor Rogers, the bottom line is you need your three best players on, on the field at all times. And Richardson, Wilkerson, and Williams are your three best players. They, they are it. They, them three, and then you add Anua, and then, you know, you can, and then Carpenter, I guess, you know, for, for lack of another option. But your three best players are your three defensive linemen, and you need them on the field, and Bowles needs to play them. I think for me, one of the biggest issues that I had with Bowles is his unwillingness to bend and change his scheme to fit his players, and that's what good coaches do. You've seen it all the time. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse by saying that, but good coaches will adjust, you know, and he never adjusted to the fact that he has three monsters who realistically, like, it's funny because, like, you've heard a lot of a lot of the, the Giants defense get a lot of pub this this offseason. And realistically, the Jets three defensive linemen would start over everybody on the Giants defensive line. And and th for me, I think people forgot, one, obviously, because Mo Wilkerson had a rough year last year. But two, Shelton Richardson also had a pretty quiet year. People forget how good these two guys are. Production doesn't, production doesn't always equal talent, and talent doesn't always equal production. But these are two guys that have proven that they can produce in this league. They need to get back to that. But Richardson in particular, he's been dealt a crappy hand. You have to play him. Leonard Williams is the best player on this team. He's the leader of this defense. And you want to see, is this the year that he takes that step forward as a pass rusher? I know there's been talk of him wanting to get double-digit sacks. I personally do not think that he's that kind of player. But that's more because he doesn't have a consistent edge presence to, in turn, al allow him to pick up those easy sacks that a, guy, that, that a guy typically does pick up, that a guy like Trevor Price used to pick up in Baltimore, right? Like, you don't see that with Leonard Williams. That's why it's important that either Jenkins or Malden step up or is it Donahue or is it you know is it do you use Lee Moore as an outside linebacker that's what I would do and then yes you hit the nail on the head with Jamal Adams he is my he was my number one player McCagnan did not let me down by taking him I think that he is going to win defensive rookie of the year I think he's that good and I think the biggest thing that you're going to see with him is from jump and and again there's some people that, that think that the leadership thing is overstated, but I do not think it is. Not on a team that is devoid of leadership. You want a guy that comes in. You want a guy that asserts himself from day one, and he is a guy that will do that, and I think he's going to be fine. My one fear, and you mentioned Marcus May, and so here's my thing with Marcus May. I do not think he's a traditional free safety. I think Jamal Adams plays that role better than him, and I would be, I would be very, very surprised and mystified if Todd Bowles plays Marcus May in the traditional one cover safety with Adams closer to the line. I would be floored if he did that because I think, one, you are misusing your safeties, and two, these are two guys that you drafted because of their interchangeability and you are not using them like that. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's the biggest thing. It's which young guys step forward to be the real leaders of this defense be because realistically the best players are on that side of the ball anyway. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think we saw all this turnover and, uh, you know, it's now it's sort of a new era, right? It's not going to be Revis leading the team. It's not going to be Mangold. not going to be Harris. not going to be these guys, these older guys. So can you see sort of that next generation of younger players? Leonard Williams, Quincy Inouye, um, 
you know, Jamal Adams, Darren Lee, can these guys sort of step up and fill the void? And that's going to be something to watch in the early parts of training camp and uh, see, you know, see how this team develops. What type of personality does this team have compared mm-hmm. to last year's team, which was sort of a lazy, disinterested vibe, which is the last thing anybody wants to see. You know, will right. this be a more high-energy, more competitive team that even if they are struggling and going through growing pains – the fan base can still get behind, still get excited to see some type of development and see how these guys are pushing themselves to hopefully be improving week over week. So hopefully we see that right out of the gate. And, you know, by the time we're back next week, uh, you know, we should have a good feel for what some of the early storylines in camp are. So please make sure to follow Dalvin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes under the Turn on the Jets podcast. Dalvin, any final words? Um, yeah, we made it, right? We made it to, to training camp, um, and nobody got arrested. Uh, nobody was a victim of a mistaken identity. Um, you know, oh, the Jets picked up Lucky Whitehead today. Get ready for a lot of the Jets got lucky headlines. I think one of the guys already used it. Um, but honestly, I think, I think it's going to be an exciting season just because you have a bunch of young guys. And listen— Joe, you know this as a Knicks fan. Everybody says that you cannot rebuild in New York. McCagnan and Bulls are trying to do that right now with the blessing of Woody Johnson. Um, so just, I, I mean, just sit back, root for Hackenberg to ball out. Um, don't be a bad fan. And, yeah, let's, let's, let's enjoy training camp back. Football's back, and we'll be kicking this thing off in no time. All right, before we wrap, we're going to throw it to a quick preview for this week's Play Like a Jet. And we'll talk to everybody uh, next week. And before we wrap this week, we want to give you guys a preview of this week's Play Like a Jet podcast hosted by Scott Mason. Please make sure to subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes if you have not yet. Each week, Scott talks to a former member of the New York Jets about a previous season in the team's history. This week, he's going to have Kerry Rhodes on for part three of his interview on the 2008 season. Scott, tell us what to expect this week. Thanks, Joe. And let me tell you, I am blown away by the positive response that we have gotten on the first two parts of our discussion with Kerry Rhodes on the 2008 season. Overwhelmingly positive. Thank you so much to everybody who's left feedback. And I hope you'll enjoy part three as much as you did parts one and two. I know I had a lot of fun recording it, and I'm looking forward to bringing it to you this Friday on iTunes and at TurnOnTheJets.com. A little sample of what you can expect. We're going to talk about that famous Thursday night game in New England that season with the Jets and the Patriots going toe-to-toe with first place in the division at the time on the line. We're also going to be talking a bit about what the Jets were saying about themselves when they were the talk of the town. Kerry gets into how the team felt, what the guys were talking about behind the scenes. Were they feeling themselves a little too much? How did it feel to finally come out of the shadow of the Giants, or at least that was the perception at the time. And we're going to do a little bit of trash talk. There's a quarterback that Kerry was none too fond of, especially in 2008, and this guy actually talked trash on the field during a game when they were playing against the Jets. So Kerry's going to get into that, dish on who the guy is and why he didn't like him. All that and more this Friday at TurnOnTheJets.com and at iTunes. It's part three of our discussion with Kerry Rhodes on the 2008 season. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do. And please make sure to leave reviews for our show, Play Like a Jet, also for draft season, and for the Turn on the Jets podcast with Joe and Dalvin. It's something that's very important as far as us being able to 
continue to deliver great content to you. It doesn't take a lot of time to do. It's free. It doesn't take much effort, but it's something that helps us out a lot. So if you could do that, we'd greatly appreciate it. With that said, Joe, thanks again for having me on, and I'm really looking forward to bringing part three of the Kerry Rose discussion to everybody on Friday. All right, Scott, thanks. Again, one more reminder to everybody to subscribe to Play Like a Jet on iTunes. We will be back next week with a new episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast, a new episode of Draft Season, and a new episode of Play Like a Jet. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy your weekend.